round and fall stretched out and uncurled would extend about four times around the circumference of the world. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Commercial Drive area at Bone Rattle Music Limited, High Life Records, and People's Co-op Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or online at citr.ca.
about food and music eating and grooving munching and moving forking and spooning listening to tunes yeah dinner's on soon and to get ready for ready for peanut butter and jams you're listening to peanut butter and jams with host brenda and jordy on citr 101.9 exploring local music and local food Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood and a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the hosts, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Hello. Hello. And uh, welcome to another very exciting episode of Peanut Butter and Jams. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. Uh, what are we going to talk about today, Brenda? Well, we've got two features. Yes. Two topical features. One is a reprise of Driving Through with Trevor. Second episode. Yeah, very excited. And the other thing? And the other thing is Jordy watched a film that's going to show at doxa this sunday and it's called the slow food story and i'm going to ask jordy about his experience in the film yes so we will have fast and slow food this episode exactly you can experience the contrast um would you like to hear a song and then we can get into one of them yes please what did we just hear jordy oh we just heard uh dear rouge uh something for our music director who uh, really wanted to hear that song uh, that song was called Kids Want to Know off of their new album. Dear Rouge, uh, you may have heard of, they won the Peak Performance Project and received $100,000 or I something. I think more than that. I don't know. They received a large, large amount of money to and put out now that album. And now they've put out an... It's actually... I, they could probably put out another album because this is just an EP. Uh, but, the, yeah. So that song, Kids Want to Know. And uh, what are we going to play next, Jordy? Next, we're going to play the Bell Game. And I think they've also been on Peak Performance Project at some point. Yes. Maybe I'm wrong. Possibly. Um, they are certainly on Factor. Um, this and this is a uh, part. They're on Boompa Records, who haven't, I haven't seen a lot of action from recently, so it's good to see them putting stuff out again. Yeah, local label. Yes. Um, so this song is off of their album Ritual Tradition Habit, and it's called In Secrets. Thank you. 
Welcome back. That was The Courtney's. Um, that song is called 90210, and I think that band is great. Yeah, they are great, and they're on our CITR vinyl record. Yes, the CITR Pop Alliance Volume 3. Which you can buy at local record stores. Oh, you can just buy it now? Yeah. I thought you had to uh, donate to get it. Well, no. It's like a thank you to uh, one of 1.9 donors, but you can also buy the record. Oh, there used to be there used to be things that like you could only get by donating. Yes. Let's talk about <laughs> that another time. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so, what are we going? To, why don't we uh, listen to Driving Through? If, if for those of you who. Uh, didn't hear Trevor's last episode of Driving Through. Uh, Driving Through is a fast food segment with uh, Trevor Gilks, who is our fast food expert. Um, he only goes to the restaurants downtown because he is uh, too lazy to leave the downtown core. He doesn't like to take the bus. Yes, or the, or the train, or a cab. But ironically, he always ends up at parties in my neighborhood. I, he must get drunk before that or something. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that happens because it's it's very unusual for him. Um, but yes, uh, I I am interviewing him about the opening of the Carl's Jr. downtown. Nice. And yes, we do address the punctuation. Do you, Do you have an intro this time? Because um, last well, time you had like a little. I don't like saying ding ding. Either the sound effect or just don't do it. Okay. So you'd rather just have a gap than yes. no sound. Yes. Okay. I would I would rather have the gap than someone saying it. It was you saying it. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. This is driving through. This goes out. With Trevor. So my niggas spending their lives. So, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were recently at a place that you would like to tell us about, which is Carl's Jr. Um, before, this is actually the first thing that I wanted to know when Trevor wanted to talk about Carl's Jr. It is not what Carl's Jr. was, but how do you punctuate Carl's Jr. and why is it named in such a way? Um, well, Carl's Jr. is spelled Carl, apostrophe S, and then Jr. Right. So, it's like Carl's owns a junior. Yeah, I don't know the origin exactly, but it used to be just called Carl's, and then when they started expanding, they just changed the name to Carl's Junior. Um, so it could conceivably be grammatically correct because possibly the junior is referring to Carl's, the name of the restaurant, as opposed to a man named Carl Junior. Right. It would be should should have been Carl Carl Juniors. Yeah. But it's Carl's Junior. Okay, um, so what is Carl's Jr.? Um, Carl's Jr. is a fast food restaurant. It's actually the fourth biggest fast food restaurant in the United States, behind McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's, uh, but has never been to Canada before uh, until recently. So the first ever location was in Kelowna. Um, I don't know why Kelowna of all places, but anyway, it opened in Kelowna in June, and then it opened up one on Dunsmere Street uh, by Pacific Center in November. So, and they have plans apparently to open up 25 more locations in the Lower Mainland, so it's going to be pretty popular. Or place. at least 
it'll be it'll be around if not popular. Well, it'll be around. Yeah, it'll be a familiar location to people as opposed to an exotic food chain. Right. Um, what makes is it just burgers or like what makes it different from other food chains? Um, food wise, not really that much. Okay, um, so you can basically get the same thing there that you can get at a Wendy's or a. Yeah, it's not it's not that inventive. It's more like a. Yeah, it's 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 just burgers basically, straight through middle of the road fast food restaurant. Okay, so why if if that's the case, why were you excited about it? Um, well, I'd actually never been before when I found out that they were opening, but I I always kind of liked um, their their public image, uh, which is very proudly trashy and disgusting. Um, so instead of kind of trying to hide what they are, uh, like McDonald's or Wendy's, with like healthy items or mm -hmm. fancy facades or classy advertising campaigns. They seem to just embrace what they really are. Um, so they don't have any vegetarian options, for example. Um, they have very lurid advertising, and they advertise the size of their burgers as opposed to the... Oh, okay. Size. So they're, they're still in advertising, like, you can supersize things, even if they don't use that terminology. Yeah, basically, yeah. 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 So they, they don't, yeah, like I mentioned, they, they don't really have vegetarian options. Um, in fact, their slogan is actually, tempting vegetarians since 1954. Um, oh, they do have. <laughs> they had that many vegetarians in 1954 that they could make a marketing campaign out of it. Well, it only needed one or two, I guess. I guess so. I don't think that was their slogan since 1954. Oh, okay. They've just been theoretically tempting vegetarians since then. Oh. <laughs> they do have a gluten-free menu, although which is humorously just literally hamburgers without the bun. So, it's the so you can just get a patty. Is well, it's the patty and all the toppings, but. Without the bun. Do they still put like ketchup yeah. on it? Okay. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It has the cheese and toppings and sauce and everything. I can't tell whether it's a joke or whether it's actually something, some attempt to reach out to a niche community. But I don't think anyone who's gluten free is going to Carl's Jr. I have a feeling. Yeah, probably, well, maybe once. Yeah, anyway. Um, another thing I liked about uh, Carl's Jr. is that they have a history of blatantly attempting to sexualize the act of eating fast food. Um, By what, having like bikini models eat burgers or something? Yeah, like they, I think they had this one, it was supposedly controversial um, advertisement uh, back in the mid-2000s with Paris Hilton, um, who was like washing, in her bikini, washing a car with a ha like large, incredibly comically oversized hamburger. Um, and then the most recent one they have is uh, with Heidi Klum, uh, sort, of, sort of a reenactment of The Graduate, but with, instead of... Um, alcohol she's tempting this young uh, man man with hamburgers Benjamin do you like bourbon burgers um, so they're really trying to and they also they got into trouble recently because they tweeted their official Twitter account uh, on Miley Cyrus's 18th birthday they said hallelujah Miley Cyrus is now legal three exclamation marks <laughs> And this so was not it, it a result of a hack either. This was actually, and it was not taken down or anything. It just kind of. So this sounds. It sounds like Carl's Jr. is the worst fast food chain. Well, yeah, but I mean, I I still appreciate that. I mean, yeah. first of all, because I I feel a lot of guilt going to fast food chains in general, and so I kind of feel like they sort of justify that by by instead of, instead of trying to convince me that it's okay. Um, also, kind of, I find the act of eating fast food to be a very sensual experience as well. Right. So I'm glad that they're they're trying to reach out and make other people feel the same way about it. And do you feel like other um, fast food chains don't do that enough? Well, they try to make it seem so classy and healthy, which I right. Feel like I feel like I'm being lied to. But Carl's Jr. is doing the opposite of yeah, that. Yeah, basically, I think. Okay. They're just trying to appeal to 
just just basically embracing what it actually is as opposed to how they how some marketing committee has decided they should look. I mentioned that I was kind of intrigued about it. Another thing I liked about it is that they seem to have a very inventive menu in terms right. of the hamburgers, or at least somewhere between wonderful and wonderfully awesomely terrible. Right. Um, so give, they have, give some examples. Uh, for example, they have something called a Southwest Burger, which is a pulled pork uh, on top of a hamburger. It's like um, a McRib, but with a burger? It was a, it's a burger patty with pulled pork on top of it, with onion rings on top of that. Um, which sounds like something that I, I admire. The it fact sounds that like it, something you would enjoy. Well, I, I like the fact that it exists, and I, it does sound like something I would enjoy. Right. Um, they also have a, a guacamole burger, which sounded really interesting. Um, and they have a Jim Beam-sponsored bur- bourbon burger as well. Oh. But anyway, they just have they have seemingly... Can you of, get alcohol at a Carl's Jr.? Uh, it's not actually... Ha- it doesn't actually have alcohol in it. No, no, no I, I was just curious. Like, just, No. It, it, that would be like... Another way they could become trashier. No, they're they're if not. If you could get a can of um, Budweiser. Yeah, or Bud they're Light. not. Uh, they're not that. They're not going to go that far. Okay. So they don't have alcohol. Um, but it seems like the most appropriate one to sneak beer into, though. I feel like. <laughs> so if you're going to bring a can in a in like a paper bag. Yeah. Into. I think you get the most knowing looks at, at Carl's Jr. The staff would understand right staff away. Staff would kind of like nod knowingly. And they would say, "Would you like a Would you like a Carl's Jr. paper bag?" For yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or they'd give you like a pre-cooled glass to, to pour it into. Right. Like a chilled plastic glass. But anyway, so yeah, so I was really excited to go, but then I actually went, and the experience was pretty disappointing. Basically, because all the food is kind of terrible. Oh, it's not even like good examples of fast food no it's actually just it's it's just not very good um you know the hamburgers one thing they're really very large they're okay. comically like i said comically oversized okay they're like the size like the circumference is the size of a average person's head approximately what well okay maybe a very small person's head but they're very large they're okay. very large so that's um, like they have like a, a f- a 10 centimeter diameter or 15 centimeter diameter? No, I would say more like maybe 7 or 8 centimeter diameter. Okay. I, I'm exaggerating a bit, but they're very large. They're, they're larger, like a, but larger than any fast food. They're like as big as a pancake or something then? Yeah. Okay, like that's a, yeah. a very large patty then. Yeah, they're, they're very, very large. Okay. Um, and they're very, very thick as well. Uh, well, they have, every burger has the thick burger option, which basically takes a regular burger and makes it thicker. So instead of having It's already a gigantic burger. It's already a gigantic burger, and the thick burger makes it very, very thick. So it would be like having... Two gigantic burgers. Yeah, basically, it's like it's like it's like basically a double hamburger, but except with just one patty. That right. Encompasses both. Okay. Um, so they're very big, um, but they're very dry, and they don't really taste like anything other than just cardboard. Oh. So they're kind of like you know. Just like a McDonald's burger. Yeah, but gigantic. So you that know those. Awful. So yeah, you know when you get the cheeseburger at McDonald's, like they have those little yeah and cardboard you, little patties. You mostly just taste the cheese. Yeah, and the, and there's sugary bun and the yeah. ketchup. But so it's like that burger, but it, but like gigantic. So just like it's just like kind of really, it's like eating a tire almost. I feel like if you ate that much of that type of burger, you would at some point realize what you were eating, and because like the, the the nice thing about a McDonald's cheeseburger is that it's so small that you don't ever have time to feel guilty until maybe like the next morning or oh, something. Oh no, I, you can feel guilty. <laughs> you don't need to taste the meat to feel guilty, Jody. No, but like, I'm just saying like, it's so small that you like, you eat it and then you're done. And then, but like, you don't like, but if I was eating a Carl's, something as big as what you're describing a Carl's Jr. burger to be, I would get like 
halfway through it. Well, I still ate it pretty quickly. Don't get me wrong. I get, I get like halfway through it and be like, I'm still eating this and it's not very good. Well, see, I don't have problems like that because I okay. still eat it very quickly. Okay. Um, but it was not really that enjoyable. Okay. Um, I mean, I like the fact that they put lots of cheese on it, but and they right. have a, they have a sauce on their trait on their flagship burger, which is called the Superstar Burger, I believe. Okay. Or the Star Burger, I can't remember. This is their um, oh famous Star, I think it is. This is their signature burger. Yeah, it's like their Big Mac equivalent or okay. like Whopper equivalent. Um, it has a sauce that is basically the same as the Big Mac sauce, which is basically the same as Triple O sauce. Right. Um, that's fine, uh, I guess. Another time I went, I got that Southwest burger that I mentioned, the one with the, right. which was really quite actually disgusting. Uh, it's rare that I actually have a hard time eating something from a fast food restaurant. But right. But this was too much even for you. No, it wasn't too much for me, but it was almost too much for me. Okay. So, so it would be too much for the average person then. Yeah. I, I, quit, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have eaten a second one. I guess let's okay. it that way. So it was. It was just they have like it's just basically just a big pile of mush. Um, you can't really. It's like to the point where like the hamburger, pulled pork, onion ring layer it gets to the point relatively soon where you can't even really tell which layer is which anymore. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. It was yeah. Bad. Okay. Um, was there anything redeeming about Carl's Jr. in any way? Um, they have very large sizes, so the medium fries is like a garbage bucket basically. So if um, you want a lot of gross food fast you should go to carl's jr yeah if you're in if you're in sort of the calorie per dollar mindset right then it's a good place to go okay which i don't think most people are well well yeah. maybe maybe some people are if you just run a marathon or something okay yeah if you, if you just run a marathon you might want you won't get a better value in food. terms of calorie per dollar i don't think that. okay um but aside from that aside from that um no uh they live down to their kind of trashy image, unfortunately. Okay. So they're trashy, but their food also isn't good to redeem the trashiness. No, it's not. Okay. So overall, I would say as as very disappointing. I would say that this is probably the biggest disappointment in the downtown Vancouver fast food scene of 2013 so far. Right. In downtown so you wouldn't be sad if Carl's Jr. did not do well in their break into Canada? Well, it's nice to see something... Um, I mean, it's nice to see something that has such a image that contrasts with the would you be, Vancouver scene um, do well. Would, like, I would love to see one open next door to Y Yoga or something, just because that would be... That would be really funny. That would be pretty funny. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Carl's Jr. Uh, before we go? No, I think, I'm, I think I covered it all. Okay. Well, thank you. Do you like noise, experimental, compositional, math, punk, post-punk, power pop, electronic, anything loud, quiet, local, or odd? White Light happens at the Astoria every Wednesday and features a wide spectrum of genre-defying music. Come by this month and check out Blind Horses, Polar Horse, Zen Mystery Fog, Pan, Citizen, Spiral Jetty, Defectors, Vapid, The Bad Machine, Eternal Summers, Future Tits, Blue and White Vans, Mine, Total Ice, and more. For more information, go to facebook.com slash white lights. That's facebook.com slash w-i-t-e-l-i-t-e-s. Baby
Uh, that was Rec Center off of what's Rec Center's album called? Times a Billion. Al Rec Center is uh, Alex Hudson's band, uh, who you may know because he writes every music review in town. Yeah, I think he's writing for Georgia Strait and Exclaim at the moment, and he got his start at Discorder magazine. I don't. I think he actually started before us. Like he he did write for Discorder for a while, but I think he started before. Writing for who? I think he was writing for. I think he's just had a blog that he started out with. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah sure yeah and like then the first published no, magazine. Th that might have been Beetroot. I don't think so because Beetroot was just coming on the scene and Alex had been here. Yeah, he was like on the sort ground floor right when I started at the station first year or two. Okay, well, yeah. maybe you're right. Anyways, we'll have to interview Alex Hudson sometime. Yeah, that would, that's food a good and idea. Music journalism. He's a nice guy. He is. Let's do that. And he can talk about his band. Yeah, who else is in his band? Yeah. Jay Arner. You're right. And and Rose Melberg sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Robbie Neal. You're right. And that's kind of it. All those things. But yeah, Rec Center, if you want to hear them. Rec Center is spelt the Canadian way. With a T-R-E. Yeah, with a T-R-E. Nice. <laughs> okay, what are we going to play next? Um, I don't know. What Do you like to hear anything in particular? This new Abramson Singers is pretty good. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so this is the new Abramson Singers record. Uh, it is called Late Riser. And this is a quite good song on it, I thought. Um, it's called Lift Off Cannon. Cannon with one C-A-N-O-N. And Leo was actually in a month or so ago. She was teaching a songwriting class at UBC, and she brought her whole class in to perform on Thunderbird Radio Hell. Yes. I remember Ben being very excited and um, uncertain about how he was going to do it <laughs> w uh, logistically. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned to Thunderbird Radio Hell later tonight. And uh, right now you are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams, local music, local food. On CITR 101.9 FM. That's right. And this is Leah Abramson's band.
monster take me home across that open sea from a very cold place to a very warm place I need and there might be another man I know you'll put him in my place from a very old To a very new face you'll see talking about this I'm talking about apollo ghosts i love apollo ghosts um well you're not going to love them for too much longer because they are breaking up well i think they're breaking up amicably they're calling it quits yeah their band camp has this jpeg of them 2008 to 2013 it's kind of like a little r.i.p yeah it's kind of sad um yeah so they are playing a show on may 10th at the rickshaw with beelines watermelon and diane um and it's a musty show i am not giving my friends the option of not attending mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to go because and luckily the rickshaw is big so everyone can yeah do you think it will sell out what is sellout capacity at the rickshaw the rickshaw is really big i don't think yeah there might be a wait for a while if everyone shows up at the same time so this is our recommended show. Yes, um, you can't go to a better show on May 10th than the Apollo Ghosts final show. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, there's w- what should people go to do if they're hungry? We were going to recommend Save on Meats, mm-hmm. which is a deli down the road. It's a affordable downtown east side 
uh, deli. Yeah. And you can get lots of great sandwiches. Neither Jordi nor I have eaten there. I, I did. I ate there before, when it was under previous ownership, but I think it's just, the food's a lot different than it was then. Yeah. Apparently, it's really tasty and really affordable. Well, you can. we can go and find out. Maybe we'll go and find out. Maybe we should go before yeah, the show. Before the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Apollo Ghost playing with Beelines, Watermelon, and Diane. Um, that song that we just heard was Snow Mount Benson. It's um, been my favorite Apollo Ghost song uh, since I heard it. Uh, I used to take the ferry hmm. uh, back and forth from uh, Campbell, from Nanaimo to uh, Vancouver a lot when I, my parents still lived on the island. And it made me feel really wistful and remember that. Um, and uh, a song that makes you feel something is uh, got something to say about it. Um, Brenda wanted you wanted to hear why can't I be the man on stage? And you had a story about why. Yeah, Ryan Rizel, host of Butter on the Bread, mm-hmm. uh, and is also our CITR student executive president for the upcoming year. So we spent a couple hours t- today talking about meeting planning great great Mm -hmm. stuff uh he wanted our silent auction the opportunity to sing a song an apollo ghost song with the band on stage at their last show and so he picked this song why can't i be the man on stage which is a pretty great song to pick if you're paying to be on stage exactly (laughs) so i'm really excited about his little cameo appearance at the show on may 10th he said he's been waking up and having mild panics every day about uh his debut performance (laughs) so we're very very excited so yeah uh, come down to the show and you'll see it too
Join Jason on a spiritual and musical journey to becoming relentlessly awesome every Thursday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. only on CITR. By the way, you're awesome. was great yeah um we are awesome we are so are you yeah you listener um so it's time to do a little talk what what are we talking about well jordy i'm gonna ask you about the film that you saw oh okay a few yeah so um the doxa film festival Mm -hmm. is coming up it's from may 3rd to uh, may 12th it starts tomorrow uh, there's a, a film called Occupy that is the big opener, so that should be really exciting. Um, I went to their fundraiser a couple months ago and got all excited about documentaries. Yeah. Um, so I'm really hoping to go to a few of them. Yeah, they're showing a lot, probably about 100 or 100 and... Yeah. A little bit more than 100, maybe? Like a good 10 screenings per day for the yeah. next uh, 7, 8, 9 days. Um, and which film did you see, Jordy? Um, I saw Slow Food Story. Um, it's a documentary about the slow food movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, it's, it's Italian, it's subtitled. It's, uh, it's about the history of the movement and how it got started, focusing on um, this one person whose ideas were central to like why the movement started, um, named Carlo Petrini. Mm-hmm. Carlo Petrini. Um, and who was Carlo Petrini? Uh, Carlo Petrini was a young, uh, like, kind of activisty uh, student who um, he started out as um, like a magazine, like working on a magazine called the Manifesto, um, which was kind of a lefty uh, politics magazine, and then. Um, he like he was involved in municipal politics a bit, and um, but then this magazine started doing a food segment in the magazine where they would talk, and so people would start picking up the magazine, the, the manifesto for the food segment in it, and then toss away the rest of the magazine. Or some people would pick up the the lefty magazine and toss away the food sample, and, and so they. Um, and then like, and then out of that, he started developing ideas about. Um, the uh, about that kind of led to slow food. He's a really charming man. He's like everyone in the movie talks about like how much they like him and how like funny he is and how great he is to hang out with and how nice he is and um and you, that comes through a little bit in the movie. Although he doesn't have a huge amount of screen time, it's kind of all done with interviews about him and footage. So it's kind of too bad that he didn't have the chance to shine on film. Yeah, I, I, there, there, there's footage of him like in like on stage and like doing talks and stuff like that, but there isn't any um, like there isn't a bunch of one-on-one screen time with him, even though he is the subject of the documentary. Hmm. It's all about it's like all about people around him 
like his friends and people well, maybe who work he with wasn't him. so excited about maybe he didn't want it to be that, about that i'm not sure oh very so. curious mm-hmm. so what is the slow food movement um what are the ideas behind it uh Actually, I think, sorry, just going back a bit, Carlo Petrini might have been, had a a short amount of interviews in it, but not the amount that you'd expect given the, that the whole movie is about him. Um, But, sorry, the slow food movement is a movement that I think started in the 80s, although no one really heard about it until the 90s, um, that started in Italy. Um, It's uh, kind of about, like, eating locally and regionally and, like, supporting biodiversity and the, a lot of sort of sustainable food practices that um, that you may have heard of already are related to the slow food movement or the slow food movement is related uh, like is partially responsible for pushing them out into the general public awareness mm-hmm. um, so if it, it's that style of food um, where it's about like eating slowly and it's called slow food in relation to fast food um and that it's it's supposed to embody the opposite sort of principles of it and you spend time with your meal and you enjoy like you enjoy it and you care about where it came from and that the practices that are used in raising it are sustainable as opposed to having a quick meal and tossing it away with Mm -hmm. Uh, wasteful practices. So that's basically what the slow food movement is, or at least that's what I got out of it. It's, it is it is very amorphous. Mm-hmm. It's not something that has like a strict definition, even though there is like a slow food manifesto. It's kind of a vague hippie, dippy, feel good manifesto. It doesn't really concretely say yeah. this is slow food, this is not, or anything okay. like that. When I looked it up online too, it talked about like uh, safeguarding traditional yeah. foods and, and regional. It is um, a nostalgic thing and that yeah. it's looking back to old traditions of food preparation from maybe a hundred years ago basically before the green revolution which was mm-hmm. that period right after fertilizers were discovered in the 60s when all of a sudden industrial agriculture became hugely uh, do- the dominant mode of, of food production in the world and like safeguarding those old seeds and the the livestock that was there before then like sort of like the the really like 25 mile diet but also the like indigenous kind of like local yeah this is what this is the habitats that existed before yeah it's about preserving those sorts Mm -hmm. of things which is very cool the um a lot of the language in the film bio was about the it talks about the 25-year gastronomic revolution and the anti-fast food resistance and this Mm -hmm. manifesto and it talks about being political um how does uh, we don't usually talk about well, uh, like food issues are seen as political, like food scarcity mm-hmm. and, and distribution. But we don't usually talk about slow food and those things being really political activist activities. How is that portrayed in the film? Um, so all the people who were involved in starting the movement were uh, fairly politically active um, on the left side of things in Italy um, before they started turning to the slow food movement as kind of their um, embodiment of like their their political beliefs um, and I it's not dealt with explicitly how or too much how it's political I mean they, there's some politicians who talk in the movie but 
it doesn't talk about like how the slow food movement is a lobby or anything like that. They it's more um, embodying the the personalist political um, sort of idea of politics, mm-hmm. um, uh, where you sh- should take if you it's basically it, it comes at it from two angles. So if you like food, then you should have these these like politics towards your food or if you already have these politics, then you should think this way about your food. So it kind of goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting what you talked about just a bit earlier about people uh, being attracted to the food inserts and not the politics and other people the other way around. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know... It's sp- about melding them to some degree anyways. Yeah, yeah. but that, that people don't see them as the same thing. The- even though even though food is very political and, and what we eat is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that surprised you in the movie? What, like a fact or something that you learned that um, was well, shocking? One thing that I, I, that I was surprised by um, is perhaps a little bit mundane, but I did not know it was going to be a foreign film and that it was subtitled. <laughs> um, and uh, just a, a warning, if, you are going into it it is mostly subtitled there's a few bits with um where people are speaking english but it's it's a reader you will not see some of the images on the screen because you will spend too much time reading them or vice versa um unless you speak italian in which case this is perhaps a little bit more up your alley um i i I thought it was interesting to see um how the the slow food movement kind of markets itself but Mm -hmm. i which i've always been a little confused by because of its kind of amorphous definition surrounding itself but um i don't think it was there weren't any like shocking revelations Mm -hmm. it wasn't that sort of documentary where it's like you're gonna change (laughs) it's gonna change everything paradigm shift it was kind of more of a soothing like eases you into things did did they talk a little bit about um, how this movement spread internationally? Because right now there's different uh, slow food promoting organizations in like over 25 countries. It has it, these have big become sort of generally understood concept the flu- slow food movement. Um, they talked about how it was popular in other countries. I kind of felt like they were really pushing how popular it is in the world possibly more than it actually is um but uh they if what they they didn't i didn't really feel like they adequately explained why the slow food movement had become popular they kind of attributed it to the ideas are so great and carlo petrini is so charming Mm -hmm. so i mean beyond that they didn't really i i didn't feel like it was adequately explained to me although perhaps i missed the that bit but Okay. Yeah. And as a film, how, like, how would you rate this as a film or a documentary? How good was the was the doc at, at conveying its message, telling the story? It was a little dry, to be honest. Um, academically, it was interesting. If you have that sort of interest in the like history of uh, of this of this movement, either from the food side of things or the political side of things, it it is interesting, but it's not wildly entertaining it's kind of uh yeah it's it's a little bit on the dull side uh 
it's it tries it does try there's lots of quick cuts and scenes that have like people at wine parties and Mm -hmm. um, there's like some neat animations that happen uh occasionally throughout the film but i kind of felt like they they had to try really hard to make it as compelling as it was because it i I don't know if there was slow food is not highly actionable no, no. I, I felt. I feel like I was actually a little surprised that they didn't do more of kind of like food pornography, maybe to um, draw people in a little bit more. Um, I mean, like the have the like images of just like really delicious looking food mm. b- being eaten or something. Which is the entire cookbook industry. Yeah, which co- the cookbook industries have already done so well. I was kind of expecting to see it, but maybe mm-hmm. I think that the director decided not to do it. There's a lot of, like, old footage that's kind of neat from um, northern Italy during, like, the politics of those days, and, like, some of that's kind of neat in a retro sort of way, but Mm -hmm. it's not... It's not for everyone. Um, Who is it for? Who do you recommend this film to? um, Someone who likes to think about uh, their food. Um, Someone who likes... Someone who doesn't feel the need to be, like, wildly entertained when they see something <laughs> so people with decent attention spans. yeah you it's definitely someone with a long attention span i had trouble um yeah. paying attention to it the whole time i it it's not long it's a 70 minute movie but it felt long because mm-hmm. they cram a lot of information in and it isn't super exciting information okay yeah um but yeah it, it is interesting if you have an interest in that sort of Thing. I'm not sure if I totally agree with everything about the slow food movement um, that as it was espoused in that movie. If, and I, I want the, my my biggest problem with it, it was that they uh, there was not really any criticism of the slow food movement. I don't know if there is, but there um, there was one guy who was on screen for like two seconds who voiced like a small critique of the slow food movement, and then they, that was it. That was hmm. the only criticism they had. Do you have any criticisms? Um, I would say that it's definitely um, a rich person movement. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not a, like the idea of returning to the techniques of 100 years ago to creating the food of the world is not really realistic. Because there's a reason we stopped using those techniques and it's that they weren't as efficient. And the efficiencies of the modern of modern agriculture are much better at feeding a large population. And so if we all quickly reverted to those things, either the pri- uh, either the prices of food would skyrocket or people would start starving to death because we couldn't create enough food. I, I, I understand that like there's a lot of, a lot of the principles involved are, re- are, are something are things we should be considering with agriculture, but we need to consider that we for, for instance, they're really opposed to genetically modified food. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see how we're going to feed the population of the world without some sort of revolutionary new technique um, in a sustainable manner. I, I mean, and genetically modified food seem like one of the ways that are uh, most likely to have that sort of result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I... If we have time for discussion. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see your point. Um, uh, I went to Bangladesh, and mm-hmm. it's one of the most heavily populated 
areas in the world, and it's essentially a, like a subsistence farming population. Right. So everyone's growing the bulk of their food on their little on their little plot of land. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their little plots, and that's what they live off of. And mm-hmm. they, you know, do trade and buy other foods as well. But um, yeah, I'd argue that maybe mass production of food isn't the best way to sustainably feed a population. Maybe it's about uh, that the problems probably. Uh, would could be in the distribution and not on the production side. Well, the you have a population of Bangladeshi people that are primarily subsistence farmers, but do they all want to be subsistence farmers? Like, if we all went back to subsistence farming, we'd all have to start farming again. Like, we couldn't work at radio stations, or which is a, a privileged life. Yeah, it is. It is a privileged life, but like, it's a privilege that is partially gained to us because we have such an efficient agricultural yes, system. other things. But, yeah, I don't know how much uh, agriculture efficiency is related to the genetic modification of seeds. Or I don't know if genetic modification yeah. is the, um, the is directly responsible for that, but mm-hmm. I know that it is something... It's something that I think is not yeah. a scary thing, which I think that in... Some part, some people are very afraid of genetically modified food. I think food. we should have an expert on to talk about this topic. That would it's be really an excellent interesting. idea. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of waste in um, like shipping and transportation of goods and storage. Mm-hmm. That I think you know maybe that those resources should be better used to producing locally instead of. Mm-hmm. Plus, I worry about the zombie apocalypse, and then yes, we're all going to have to eat yeah. close by because all our infrastructure will fall apart. Or so. each other. Yeah, global <laughs> warming will affect things in the future. Anyways, mm-hmm. very interesting topics. Yes. Um, do you want to listen to a song? We've been talking long enough for. I, our, our, yeah. Oh, actually, let's let's uh, plug what plug this event. So, if you're are, are, if you're interested in this sort of discussion or. The documentary we were just discussing, um, Slow Food Story. Yeah, the Slow Food Story is showing on Sunday, May 5th at 3.45. And there's actually a short uh, three-minute film before called The Gift. It's all about seed saving on Salt Spring Island, so it's local. Uh, So uh, we highly recommend that you learn more about food. Yes. And that you go Regardless of how you do it. Documentaries on food. Yeah. Uh, and other things, and uh, I'm hoping to check out some docs uh, this week. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, this song we are playing is by The Crackling, something that uh, the slow food movement might enjoy. The Crackling. The Crackling being um, the bits that you get to eat after <laughs> you render fat. Exactly, and the album wasn't, or the band wasn't named after the fat bits from pork, but it uh, wasn't. But it's a it's a great tie-in. What is it then? Anyhow, tell me tell me while we listen to the song. Okay.
This Friday, May 3rd, at the Cobalt, it's Discoder's May issue launch party. Starring electropop outfit Fine Times from the pages of the September issue and grungy psych droner Dirty Spells from the April 2012 issue. Come check out the new issue and boogie down with bands, contributors and friends.
And we're back. Hello. That was Cascadia. Like it. Yeah, me too. Um, that's off of the Level Trust EP, and that song is called Yours. You can find it on Bandcamp if you're interested. Uh, we're going to do a giveaway that uh, we forgot to do a little bit earlier. Yeah, we have two tickets to the Doxa Documentary Festival. And uh, they're vouchers so that you can use them for any showing, uh, except for the opening and closing screenings. And uh, if you call into the studio, 604-822-CITR, or CITR, what is it? CITR is 2487? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we forgot what the phone number was. Oh, it's 822-2487. Yeah. 604-822-2487, and we'll have these tickets, and you do need to come pick them up at UBC. Uh, yeah, so um, Jordy's just typing it out on our Facebook page. Um, if you have any ideas we about the show or things that you want us to cover, uh, definitely post on our Facebook page or give us a call. Uh, you can also send us an email at peanutbutterandjams at gmail.com. And we'll get it. Uh, we're also uh, willing to entertain requests for uh, us to review your restaurant or come to your food event. So uh, if you're interested, let us know. And what are we going to play next, Jordy? Jordy's typing away, and that means it's my job to blather on about food. Um, next, we will be playing a song by Pops. 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 What a great name. Pups. 
there are that song is called cement um you can find it on the citr pop alliance volume three mm-hmm. available in many fine record stores so what so, are we going to play next um we are going to play uh a uh, lady who performs under the name of Rika, Rika. Um, this song is called Blackie. And uh, those Doxa tickets are still available. If you just call in at 604 822 2487. It's uh, 604 UBC CITR. Lovely. Okay, well, let's listen to Blackie. <laughs> 